This is Let's Go Michigan with Jeff Sloan on 760 WJR. Your bird's eye view on Michigan's business and entertainment scene. Here's Jeff. All right, welcome to Let's Go Michigan on this beautiful Saturday afternoon, July 15th, approximately halfway through the month already. Kristen Mark here with me, of course, co-hosting the show. Good to be with you guys. Can't believe July's half over. It goes too fast, doesn't it? It just we keep saying that, but it goes too fast. But boy, I'd like it to go faster during the colder months and slow it all down on the sweet summer days. But alas, here we are already halfway through July. Well, listen, guys, I know we're all looking forward to enjoying the weekend and checking our bank accounts to see how much money we spent on Amazon Prime Day sales. By the way, this is the biggest Prime Day ever in company history. Kristen, how'd you do? <laughs> I think I scored pretty well, actually. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask. You was, drove it over the top how, uh, to, yeah, the, that, to the oh, record. Okay, yes, okay, yes. Yeah. What'd you get? What'd you buy? What were you looking for? Honestly, I wasn't looking for anything special or unique. I just stocked up on like things that we needed. And I kind of went through and thought, okay, if this was on sale, we'd get Might it. We'd well put it in the cart. Bucks, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And I made the ridiculous mistake of allowing my children to go put things in the cart. So I'm glad I double checked. Because Yes, the, wow. sneaky, the sneaky stuff that just somehow appears in the cart, right? I was haunting by the sounds of Add to cart. Yeah. yeah. Going on in my household over the last few days. I don't want to hear that ever again. Add to cart. That's right. But it was a huge success for Amazon and small businesses in general. Well, that's a good point. You know, Amazon certainly did well on the weekend. But of course, as we know, there are many small sellers, small and medium-sized businesses who take advantage of the Amazon platform for marketing and fulfillment and so on. They did well. Yeah. I think this is the best day ever for small and medium-sized businesses selling on the Amazon platform. Overall, according to Adobe Analytics, Amazon said shoppers purchased more than 375 million items. That's up from 300 million last year in 2022. Faring well, home goods, fashion, beauty, those were among the top categories. And in fact, the first day of the 48-hour shopping bonanza was the single largest sales day in Amazon history. There you go. Amazon does it again. They just always seem to do it, don't they? Well, it's nicely timed when you think about it. It's in July. So you're saying that's kind of a time when it's not holiday shopping. Right. There's not a lot of competition. Right. But right. It's just yeah. people are... I think the timing yeah. of it is important to the equation. advantageous. Yeah. Advantageous to Amazon. Yeah, absolutely indeed. Well, look, guys, how about the uh, Port Huron to Mackinac race kicked off this morning, headed up from uh, Port Huron. Those boats are, those sailboat racing yachts. Now on their way to Mackinac Island. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the spectacle of those boats either taking off from Port Huron or arriving in Mackinac. It's really, frankly, more exciting and dazzling at the starting line because the boats are all there. They're bunched up. And in some years, those big billowy sails when the boats are on a downwind run, those big colorful sails are up. It's a big spectacle. It's fun. There's the big party the night before in the Black River down there in Port Huron. I'll bet Ray Templin's there. Oh, you bet our buddy Ray, big sailor, he's there. Now, listen, I've had the opportunity of skippering the Mackinac race a few times. I want to tell you, guys, it's part skill, part luck. You're dealing with Mother Nature. you got to be where the wind is. You can't always predict that with great accuracy. It's strategy. And the other thing is it's endurance. Man, I'll tell you, you don't get a lot of sleep. The food isn't great. You're taking what you can get, and you're working hard the whole time. You're competing. You know, the best boats will be there in a little over a day. 
The worst boats might take, uh, in some cases, three or four days, depending on the wind conditions to get up there. And it is a haul. But boy, is it exciting. And does it ever feel good to land in Mackinac at the end of it all? And how'd you do? How'd we do? We did well. One year we were in the top part of our class, I think the top quarter. And, uh, you know, typically, though, we came in around middle of our class in the race. We did it in part as a family with others on the boat as well as part of the crew and just really enjoyed it, wanted to be part of it. Really a cool thing. Interestingly enough, 200 boats entered, and that's the largest since the beginning of COVID. And we're glad to see that registration, participation, and interest in the race is up. So that's good news. Speaking of sailing, there's a triple-masted schooner that's completing a 3,000-mile journey in the Great Lakes. This is interesting. It's kind of a throwback to the way uh, boats used to be on the Great Lakes. If you happen to be up north, you can visit it in Grand Traverse Bay. The boat is called the Alliance. It's a 105-foot boat that's... uh, Looks like a pirate ship. It does kind of look like a pirate ship. And it's a cool thing to see. You can actually, as I said, visit it. Public's invited and welcome to actually go on board as well. Take a tour of the vessel. The schooner will be docked at the Inland Seas Campus in Sutton's Bay. All right, very cool. Hollywood shutting down. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Actors and writers in Hollywood striking. What does this mean? Well, we don't know yet. Depends on how long it lasts, like most of these strikes that uh, determine how impactful it is to our daily lives. But what I find interesting about this is that not only were they looking for more money, of course, but big reason for striking. How about the use of artificial intelligence during the creative process and the threat that poses on writers, for example? This is a real thing. AI now worried about taking the place of people's jobs. Here it is. These guys are striking because they want protections against that kind of thing happening in order to preserve their jobs and their opportunity to be part of it all. Yeah, I was actually thinking about all the summer movie premieres, and now with the actors striking, they're not going to have an opportunity to promote anything. They've all agreed that they're not going to do appearances, they're not going to do anything until this is over. So some of these big movies that were coming out, now granted, a lot of them already had a head start on promotions, but there'll be nothing on social media. So we'll see how that fares for these summer movie blockbusters that we all anticipate. Yeah, indeed. SAG-AFTRA president Fran Drescher had this to say, the entire business model has been changed by streaming, digital, artificial intelligence. If we don't stand tall, she says, right now, we're all going to be in trouble. We're all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines and big business. So there they are standing up to this. And then in closing of our little news you need to know opening segment here on Let's Go Michigan, how about this? Surfers in Santa Cruz, California falling victim to their surfboards being hijacked. I saw that by a sea otter. Uh, how you, cute is you, that? You spilled the beans. This is, un, <laughs> this is an unbelievable story. It's now, so it, It's cute. one thing to have your surfboard taken from you, but this has been going on, I guess, for a few years. They're chasing this five-year-old sea, sea otter. otter. Yeah. Sea otter. Yeah. That's right, female sea otter, who finds these colorful boards and not only takes them, that would be one thing, but rides them. Yeah. Take <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is not the shark. This is a friendly little sea otter. Takes the surfboards out and literally rides the surfboard on the surf. Yeah. No, I saw that. It. I can't help but kind of cheer for the sea otter. I don't know why. She's so cute. I. I think that I actually. Thank you, Mark. Thank yes. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost one of those things that you can't believe. So yeah. much so that you think it's a publicity stunt. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, it's not. It's not. No. She's. It's not. 
And in fact, Kristen, for proof, you're going to be posting a video on The Great Voice, right? Sure. There's a YouTube video that shows the crime and action. Yeah. You can be on Team Sea Otter or Team Surfer. There you go. We're all going for the Sea Otter, right? Who are we kidding? All right. One of the things to do on any weekend is to go shopping. And Kristen, I do know this, 70% or thereabouts might be 73 or so to be accurate of household purchasing is done by the female lead of the household. And of course, you are that in your household. And that makes you part of that audience doing 73% or so of the household purchases. When you shop for something, Do you find yourself in your own household and for your own household? What's kind of the breakdown between online shopping these days and heading to a store locally, a physical brick and mortar retail location? I actually shop in brick and mortar way more than I shop online. If I'm shopping online, it's completely last minute for something that I know that I'm not going to be able to find in a brick and mortar store quickly. But for my everyday shopping, you know, groceries and things that maybe the kids need or things that we need for the house or the dogs or whatever, it's definitely brick and mortar. And I'd say it's even a cross between local Main Street brick and mortar stores as well as big box stores. So okay. that's kind of the breakdown at our house. And I'm just curious, we're going to feature a story next that's highly relevant to all of this and we're wanting to learn from direct experience of a lead female shopper for a given household. Why is it that you're choosing brick and mortar over online most of the time? Because I like to get out of my house, Jeff. (laughs) See, exactly. (laughs) I I need the experience. I need to. (laughs) Listen, as funny as that sounds, I do think that you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of local shopping, brick and mortar shopping is driven by the experience, whether it be you need to get out of the household and take some time on your own, whether it need to be you're meeting a friend, whether it need to be, I just need to clear my head and go out and have a nice experience shopping. Yeah, honestly, you know, when it comes to being in a store, I like to see all of the products. And I think I'm actually a better shopper when I'm shopping in a store. I think more uh, fiscally aware of what I'm buying and the quality of the product versus, again, versus just online. So I think that there's something to be said for that also. You know, many predicted that the brick and mortar would be dead by now. Many predicted that. And in fact, not only has that not happened, but it's become clearer and clearer that brick and mortar is alive and well as part of an omni-channel approach. Many online brands, in fact, direct-to-consumer brands, now actually looking to brick and mortar, whether that be to showcase their products and their brands to get them out in front of people, or to have that opportunity to sell to people, or both, brick and mortar is proving to be far from dead. And we've got Leslie Allen on from Insider to tell us that brick and mortar is doing really, actually, surprisingly well these days. And more and more online retailers, more and more e-commerce sites now turning to brick and mortar to help make the sale. Leslie, tell us about this story and what's going on here. Well, yes, um, we have found out that a lot of companies that are either started off as digital-only brands are finding that they're making more money if they have a brick-and-mortar location. And uh, it's sort of counterintuitive because uh, a lot of people talked about the retail apocalypse and right. saying that uh, brick-and-mortar was dead, but rumors of the death of brick-and-mortar have been greatly exaggerated. And people actually like going into stores 
And as a matter of fact, uh, there was a study that was done that showed that 85% of retail sales are still happening in physical stores. So these, these brands are finding out that they need to be there. Right, especially brands that, you know, are in clothing and fashion, both because people can touch and feel the product, but also the various sizes, trying them on, making sure the fit is right, not going through the hassle of having to do returns. Even if today, like most are, are free returns, you still have to get the package back to the store, the whole thing, if you're going to return it. Whereas if you go into a store, you can see it, feel it, touch it, try it on, et cetera. And so it makes for uh, an experience buying certain goods that really fits the physical department store kind of approach. Yes, that is right. And, and some of these companies, let's take Warby Parker, for example, that are direct-to-consumer or D2C brands. You know, people want to try on glasses. They want to try on clothes. So they are finding that they have to have some kind of physical presence. And the good news is sometimes when you have a physical presence, it actually drives more people to the website. So it's a win-win for a lot of these direct-to-consumer brands. And did the research show that this worked equally well having your brand, let's say a Warby Parker brand at a department store? Did it work equally as well to do that as opposed to a Warby Parker having their own branded store, their own store? Actually, they do. Warby does have its own branded stores. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's their model more so than going into a big box store. But other mm -hmm. retailers uh, that were D2C have found, for example, you can buy a Casper mattress now at Target or Nordstrom or your Glossier makeup at Sephora. One of the first companies to do this was Harry's, you know, the, um, the uh, shaving, sure. shaving. Uh, company. Uh -huh. Yeah, and they made a deal with Target in 2016. So they transferred over to that. So those kind of uh, direct-to-consumer companies are going into the big box stores and others have chosen to open up their own stores, such as Warby Parker, Allbirds, which is the uh, athletic shoe company um, as well. They have their own stores now. Yeah, I think one of the things that, this uh, portends about, you know, trends in consumer shopping is that there's really a difference between a buying experience where you need something versus the experience of shopping. I think a lot of those who predicted the demise of physical retail lost sight of the fact that shopping for many is an experience. You know, I know friends and family members who go shopping occasionally to just experience the shopping. And it isn't necessarily about whether you come back with anything or not. Of course, it's all that much better if, uh, like in a treasure hunt, if you do find something great and you feel good about what you purchased. But the fact is, shopping for many is an experience that is to be enjoyed. The U.S. consumer is not ready to give shopping up as an experience. 100% right, especially younger consumers. People have found that Gen Z and other young consumers, they want that experience. And uh, something that just goes beyond regular shopping, you know, whether there's a coffee bar or something else inside the store, that's what they're looking for. Something that you just catch you at online. So indeed, people want to go beyond just a simple act of buying something. And they also want to avoid, in some cases, uh, shipping fees and things like that. And a couple of years ago, you know, we had all of these problems with supply chain disruptions. And I think that that sort of uh, has some people jaded about waiting for shipments to come in and things like that. So they'd rather just go into the store 
and have that experience and purchase that product. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, in addition to having the experience of being in store and discovering a new brand, whatever it may be, a couple of things. One, I think in certain cases, this underscores the importance of a physical store being able to provide good guidance through their associates that are on the floor in the store. I think many times people are looking for that kind of guidance. They don't know exactly what they're looking for, or they may need information about a product before they buy it. And getting it from a live person is still part of that experience that we as consumers crave. And one other point I want to make too, is that in many cases, consumers look to the physical experience as a place to buy, to shop and to buy. But in other cases, They're looking at the physical store experience as an opportunity to see products and to have them showcased, and then they might make the purchase online. Either way, the brand benefits by the sale happening, whether it happens in-store or online. The American consumer is still sort of sorting out which channels they use and how, but there's a lot of that going on as well. So there's the direct benefit of having a brand in a store, in a physical store, and having someone buy it right then. There's also kind of a follow-on benefit of that consumer then purchasing it online. Either way, as I said, it makes a sale. That's right. And also, a lot of the retailers are finding that their physical stores are the perfect place to serve as the fulfillment center for online orders. They're doing that right now at Walmart and Target, etc. They'll just take all of the merchandise that's in the store now And then when you get it, you know, in the mail, that might have come from a physical store. So the physical stores actually have more than one purpose. There are fulfillment centers and retail centers. Really interesting. Well, and a kind of a surprise that this story has brought out, brick and mortar, apparently alive and kicking, still very significant in the overall now omni-channel consumer purchasing experience. Leslie Allen with Insider. Thanks so much for bringing us the story. Thanks so much for having me. So there you have it, brick and mortar, alive and well. I love a great inspirational entrepreneurial success story. We've got one for you. This is a story of a a great idea developed by a husband and wife team, Matt and Shauna Damon. She's the one that had the light bulb moment came up with the original idea. Matt's the one that designed it. And the two of them have been working together as a husband and wife team now to bring this product to market, going through all the trials, tribulations, challenges, disappointments, and overcoming them. And really now starting to meet with some well-earned, well-deserved success. Kristen, you have kids, and, and I'm sure at one point they were enjoying sidewalk chalk. It's a fun thing. It's a great activity. Your girl's Probably loved it, right? Absolutely. We still do, actually. Still do? Yeah. But for some people, you know, getting down, crawling around in the driveway on the sidewalk is not easy. It's not easy. So what Matt and Shauna came up with is a essentially an extension stick that you can attach to the chalk that allows you to do the chalk on the sidewalks with your kids while standing up as opposed to having it down. What a brilliant idea, right? Genius. Well, okay. So the product is called Walkie Chalk, and we had a chance to interview them a couple of years back when they were just in the sort of earlier stages of all of this. And catching up with them again now, they just had an appearance on Good Morning America with their product, and pretty exciting time, starting to generate some sales and getting renewed wind in their sales as it is. Matt, let's go to you first. I remember doing that great interview and have been rooting for you guys ever since. Tell us about where you are these days with your product and your effort to bring it to market. 
Yeah, Jeff, it's it's so great to be here talking to you again. And and I think back, we met because of this product and we did talk when you interviewed us uh, the first time. It's amazing how much has gone by in terms of our journey with Walkie Chalk. We went again from uh, an idea that Shauna, my wife, had on our driveway when um, she had had her third C-section with our youngest, who is now you know eight years old. But she couldn't get on the ground to draw with sidewalk chalk with the older two kids and had this incredible you know, light bulb going off moment and tied a piece of sidewalk chalk to a broom handle and was walking around with it. I looked at it and thought, you know, what is that? What's she doing? And then all of a sudden she comes up with the name like within minutes. And she said, what if this was called walkie chalky? Yeah. And that's when it was like, oh my gosh, this is, I said, it's got to be out there. Right. And you start checking for patents and trademarks and, and it was all available. So let's fast forward from that idea on the patio, you know, within two years, we had product hanging in Bed Bath & Beyond and Toys R Us and Walgreens. And I remember, as you guys put it, a mom's idea became a dad's invention. So, Matt, as I understand it, you got inspired by the idea and by the potential of it. Yeah. Then it took the lead on developing the product from Shauna's idea, Epiphany. Yeah, you're right. Long nights and a lot of stress, making financial decisions, taking that risk. But we did, and, and it was really neat to see it start to come to life when we got that first purchase order from Bed Bath & Beyond. And along the way, I mean, I can't tell you how many people were so helpful from you and Gary at Startup Nation to, you know, the number of other folks, I couldn't even name them all, who were just so helpful. And then there were some ups and downs. We ended up having a shot to go on Shark Tank. We jumped through all the hoops and over all the hurdles to get on Shark Tank. Got all the way out there into the studio, stood right there in front of the cameras, talked to Mark Cuban, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, who everybody thinks is such a jerk. He's actually like the nicest guy on the planet. He is. Yep. I've had a chance to meet him too. Sure. You know that. So, you know, we get an offer. He comes down. I I had my kids there. We get this amazing offer from him. We think this thing's going to go to the moon and something you don't hear about very often. But a few months goes by. We had the deal essentially inked. We didn't sign the deal with him because we had to wait until we knew when we were going to air. And we get a call just a regular old call on a normal afternoon that says, by the way, your episode's not going to air. ABC had cut four episodes out of the season and our segment was kind of left on the cutting floor. And, you know, to say it took the wind out of our sails is probably an understatement. I can only imagine they didn't get a chance to destroy you on camera and make you cry and all the rest (laughs) and make you squirm. You handled them too well. I know. And Shauna had to sit in in the side. She wasn't on with me. She's sitting there watching this on the side, like, oh my God, what's going on? But then for it not to happen, we really had to reset things. And we ended up licensing the product to a toy company. You hear all the great stories about how those go. Unfortunately, we didn't have a great experience with that. And we ended up taking the license back just a couple years ago and are still running it ourselves. We've got a great distribution partner called Oliva Stores. Um, you've met Derek Gaskins. I have. Just Impressive class guy. Act guy. Class act. Yep. And so they run distribution for us. But you know, Sean has handled the PR side of it, and I'll let her talk. She just had a fantastic win for us just in the last 30 days, which I'm guessing you saw, Jeff, with Good Morning America. Yep, yep. That's why we check back in with you guys. First of all, I got to give you guys credit. You know, the life of an entrepreneur, the journey of an entrepreneur associated with an idea or a business is just a tough one. It really is. Each story is really most of all a story of overcoming challenges. And you guys have stuck with this. You've been dedicated, and it's paying off. And now finally in a variety of ways. And Shauna, tell us about the recent news and how you made it happen. 
You know, Jeff, it's really remarkable to sit there and think about when we came up with the idea and put in about nine months of work to build it up to get it ready for Kickstarter. At that time, I mean, we had a one-year-old. We were up until probably two o'clock in the morning most nights just going through packaging revamps and marketing plans and everything else. And I know that Matt and I were very lucky and we're in a unique situation where we are a husband and wife team and our skill sets really do complement each other. He at that time was working for a manufacturing company. So he had like the manufacturing and the operations know-how. In my previous work experience, I was working in the marketing and public relations world. So between the both of us, it was like lightning in a bottle. We started shortly after Kickstarter and really cast the net wide, approached many, many national broadcasting opportunities. And it was really a challenge because no one had heard of Walkie Chalk. No one had name recognition. If our Shark Tank episode would have aired, that probably would have been a little bit easier. So it's been many years in the making. We had approached Tori Johnson. She does this Deals and Deals segment on GMA. Recently, GMA3 was launched. When we had reached out to her originally, probably back in 2017, it was just Matt and I. We didn't have a licensing relationship with anyone. So to think about going on to GMA3, having thousands of orders that needed to be packed, Matt and I weren't going to be able to do that on our own. So we agreed to touch base again with Tori Johnson and her group at another point, And it just ended up coming back together, really working out well. And we had a couple thousand orders come in from airing in late June. And hopefully this will just lead to more opportunities for us down the road. Yeah, that's the whole idea. You leverage success from something like this and you continue to build. Leveraging success not only in the orders you get and the revenue that comes from that, the credibility that it builds, but also to be able to leverage the success story to get to other perhaps media channels and other partnerships and opportunities that can help, you know, pave the way for facilitation from a variety of places and partners and and variety of ways down the road. So that's really great. Are you feeling is that a bit of redemption? You know, you've got new wind in your sails. Are you feeling like you're back on the right path now? The Shark Tank thing definitely was a blow to us. Understandably. Um, Feeling like we reached the pinnacle and then it was like, oh, oh, man back to square one. But we have some really, really good relationships with local media. They've been extremely supportive. They've not only become business relationships, but also friends. And I think there's a renewed sense of, we can really do this. We can go after the national stuff. I told Matt, I said, my end goal is to be on NBC on the Today Show on the Plaza in the morning, have Hoda and Jenna out there. They have little kids. They would understand the product and how great it is for parents, grandparents, kids. So I think we'll get there. You know, and again, it just underscores how you slug away and you fight, you know, you work your way through all the various challenges. And then one day, all of a sudden, something comes your way that can immediately re-energize a project like this. And it seems like that's happened. Absolutely. And it validates everything, right? I mean, you begin to question yourself when things don't go well or when you're disappointed by something you thought might work. And you begin to ask yourself, that voice in your head, is this even worth pursuing? Are we on the right track? Right, Matt? You know that. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, you know, been around products for quite a while, right? And you know, with what I do now in of the m world, we help, right. we help business founders at, you know, at ExitWise, we help founders sell their businesses. So I'm seeing business founders 
every day that have built successful companies. And I look at what we've done on Walkie Chalk and you always look back and say, hey, there's all the good and the bad, right? And what's amazing is we've kept really, a, to our detriment probably, a one skew business alive for like six years it's one item. And that is a problem. I wish we had a larger portfolio of kind of outdoor toys, but Sean and I weren't going to build a toy company necessarily, but it's a patented product. It's helping special needs kids. I can't tell you how many incredible emails we've gotten of children in wheelchairs, kids with different disabilities that are unable to hold chalk that are now able to draw with their friends. It's really touching. You know, pickleball, which is now like the, the, sure. the fat, greatest, yeah. you know, Years ago, we had people buying walkie chalks to line tennis courts oh, to play pickleball. Interesting. I mean, we were we were ahead of the pickleball curve. So oh. it's been a fun ride. I, you know, this PR burst with Good Morning America that Shauna created definitely gives us kind of renewed energy. I think we're still trying to figure out where we take the product. I mean, we would be open to another partnership with a larger toy company. We're in talks kind of with a few, but yeah, it's been one heck of a fun ride and to do something and then have your kids be able to see not just the hard work. They probably don't remember it because they were little, but that we created something. Yeah. And it's tangible. It's real. You know, so that's been a really neat piece of the puzzle here as, as we've done. That. Yes. You know, there's a lot of payoffs to becoming an entrepreneur when it works. And frankly, even in some cases when it doesn't. And the fact that your kids have seen you guys stick to this and through it and continue to believe in your product and in yourselves that kind of fortitude and tenacity is just great for your kids to see as they cheer you on, no doubt. Yep. I love that. I love that you brought that up and I love that you recognize that because that, you know, as I say, sometimes it isn't always the financial return that's the most important thing or most meaningful in an equation like this. Right. You always hear, you know, especially what we do, you see these big wins and these companies that have gone from zero to a hundred million in revenue in three years. And you scratch your head and like, okay, well, <laughs> we missed the boat because we didn't do that. But as you said, with Startup Nation, what do you say? You know, it's the dreamers and the doers. And sure. I feel like we can sit in the doer seat, right? So that's been really rewarding. Yeah. And you kind of have to remind yourself of, you know, given all the time and the stress and, and the money you put into things that, yes, the financial reward would be fantastic, but you're right. There are a number of other things along the way that can be very satisfying. Well, one of the things that's been satisfying for me watching you guys succeed is the inspiration I get from seeing you guys stick with us and finally getting your just due and the kind of success you guys deserve, at least in the early going here now of the resurgence of your renewed enthusiasm and effort and focus on the product and on behalf of it. I'm thrilled for you guys. You guys are two of the, if you will, good guys out there. Seriously, you deserve it. You guys have worked hard. It's part of the fabric of the great American entrepreneurial story. You guys fit the mold perfectly, and we're cheering you on. Continued success, and good luck, you guys. Hey, well, thanks, Jeff. Hey, this whole thing started with you calling us to be on, <laughs> uh, on the radio show years ago, so we thank you. Well, thank you. And listen, if yeah. people want to buy the product directly right now, how can they do it? Sure. We're primarily online. So walkiechalk.com and then also on Amazon. And there's sales going on here throughout the rest of the summer. We have a post GMA sale. So if they go to you know either Amazon, look up walkiechalk or our website. Beautiful. All right, guys. Thank you very much. And as I say, continued good luck with this. We'll be cheering you on. All right. Great story. Listen again. Remember, go to walkiechalk.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-E chalk.com to purchase walkiechalk. Well, on from that story now to another really inspirational story. Kristen, you did this interview. This is an unbelievable story, actually. Tell us what you've got for us. Yeah, Jeff, I had an opportunity to interview Abby Poyer. 
She's a reporter for Crane's Grand Rapids. So, Abby, you wrote this heartfelt, feel-good story about second chances. I love this story. I mean, its title alone, Wealthy Street Bakery took a chance on hiring a homeless man. Four years later, he owns the company. I mean, that's compelling enough to finish reading the article right there. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you give us this story about Andy Havmeyer? Yeah, so Andy has a good bit of restaurant experience. He was part of Herman's Boy growing up. He's part of that multi-generational business. It's a deli, bakery, coffee shop, and his grandfather founded it. His father owns it, and he was always part of that growing up. And then in his own words, he said he went down a dark path and started struggling with alcohol addiction and ended up losing a series of jobs and losing a home as well. And he turned to Guiding Light, which is a Grand Rapids nonprofit that helps folks who are struggling with alcohol or substance abuse disorders and gives them that fresh start. And he really decided to just throw himself into that. And he joined their sober living program where they house you there and help keep you on the path you're wanting to go to help restart your life. And while he was there, he decided to schedule what he thought would be a a practice interview (laughs) at Wealthy Street Bakery. He was preparing to get back into the job search and he scheduled a practice interview and it ended up just being the perfect fit for him at Wealthy Street Bakery. And to me, the amazing thing here is that he found a community there. He found people that welcomed him in, they gave him a job, but they also just gave him that community to thrive and that space to really start over again. And is this the McClurg family? This is, yep. They own Wealthy and Hall Street Bakeries. That's Jim and Barb. And they must have saw something in him in that interview. I mean, the moon and the stars were aligned (laughs) at that moment for him to take a chance and take this interview in the middle of his journey to sobriety. And sometimes you just need that connection to get back on your feet. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that stood out to them wasn't just his restaurant experience and his desire to start over, but one of the things Andy mentioned when I was speaking with him was his honesty with them. He told them where he was at and what he was dealing with and that they might need to make some special accommodations for him. He really let them know where he was at. And I think that really created a lot of trust and and transparency and honesty and really helped that relationship blossom. And nine months later, they promoted him to general manager of their wealthy and Hall Street locations. So that really shows that the honesty really pays off and it really paid off for him. Absolutely. And the fact that they were willing to take a chance. Andy does have a background in the restaurant business, if you will, working at his family's bakery, Herman's Boy, right? Yes. So he had some experience to fall back on. But, you know, you often hear that where there's a will, there's a way. And he was very focused and he was ready to make this and take this opportunity and not push it aside or not take it for granted. Absolutely. One of the things that really stood out to me the most when I was speaking with Jim and Barb and Andy about this story was they gave him a second chance. They hired him and they set him up for success, but they didn't just do that. They put actions behind it. They made those accommodations for him. They really helped create a community for him, which a lot of times when people are unhoused or struggling with addiction, what they really need is someone to help them create that community because that's what you really need to thrive. 
And so now let's talk about the next part of the story, which is kind of exciting. Now he's taking over the bakery. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't expect that four years ago, it sounds like. But he's taking over. He's got a team of investors that are working with him to buy the business. And the McClurgs worked with him as well. To hear the McClurgs say it, it sounds like they've been foreseeing this for a little while. And it seems like Andy has just been the best fit for them. You know, he's really thrown himself into the business and into the community that they've made. And now he's taking over the businesses while they anticipate a grandchild. Yeah, I love that. And not only are the McClurgs kind of moving on, but now Andy is also married. He yes. has a child and <laughs> yeah. he has one on the way. All within yeah. four years, throw COVID into the mix, <laughs> throw sobriety into the mix. Yes. I mean, this yeah. is, it's just such a feel good story. I love this. Yeah. And yeah. I love that the community has not only embraced him, but embraced the idea of second chances. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's all you need is just someone to reach out and say, hey, let's do this again. Yeah. You know? So as our listeners, hopefully, if you're in the Grand Rapids area, you are going to go into Wealthy Street Bakery and you're going to say hi to Andy and give him you a know, high I five. No, I did that the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's so humble and he's so dedicated. And I think that's really amazing. Well, thank you so much, Abby, for giving us this story. And we will check back in on Wealthy Street Bakery and Andy and make sure it's still going strong. Yeah, well, thank you for reading and, and for listening. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, unbelievable story, Kristen. Thank you for bringing it to all of us. Love that story. And thank you to all of you for joining us today on Let's Go Michigan. You can join us every Saturday in this same time slot, 1 p.m. right here on WJR.